Hey, dreamers, lovers, and vegans. Welcome to another episode of Dream Nation Love. You might hear my little baby co-host in the background because I'm recording next to her. Yeah, you, right on cue. And then there's construction happening next door, so it's just insane today. I wanted to wish you a happy holiday season. We just got through most of the holidays. We got through October, which was filled with Halloween and delicious candy. Then boom, came Thanksgiving with delicious food. And then followed by Hanukkah right now, which has amazing latkes. And then followed by Christmas with delicious eggnog and other tasty things. I really wanted to do an episode with Alina Zavatsky, who runs Vegan Runner Eats to talk about being vegan because there's so many food choices right now. So how do you make the best food choices? Don't go overboard. How do you also get to enjoy yourself as well? I really came upon Alina's blog by looking online to see how I cut food for my baby. Alina is a vegan mom. She's a runner, a three-time marathoner, a weightlifter, and she's obviously a champion of a whole food plant-based diet, which I like to follow as well. Now, if you go on her site and if you subscribe to her newsletter, they're both filled with useful information for anyone interested in a whole food plant-based diet. She also posts about having an active lifestyle and she also has a lot of great tips on raising a vegan family which can be challenging sometimes, especially if not everybody is vegan in the family. I do my best, I do my best. Alina was born in Uzbekistan, and that is a country that used to be a part of the Soviet Union. So it was really interesting to speak with her about our shared experience of living in that part of the world, because most of the days we grew up basically starving. We had to wait in line for food. And uh, we talk a little bit about that on the show. It's, it's, it was really quite horrific. Yeah, I don't really talk about it that much. And I'm glad my child doesn't get to experience it. But this conversation was really, really interesting. Uh, we talked about social media, body positivity, staying fit. Like, what does it mean to you, right? Like, what does staying fit mean to you? It's different for everyone. And um, also, obviously, about raising vegan children. So definitely take a listen to the podcast. I have a really great newsletter as well. So if you want to keep in touch and figure out what's happening, But Dream Nation Love, this is the best way. Go to the website, sign up on the newsletter. This year, also, there's still a little bit of time to get a holiday card from me as well. So just email me at yuliadreamnation.io or just DM me on Instagram and let me know your address and I'll send you a holiday card. Yeah. Thank you for writing your blog. I think that's, I don't know how I found you. I think, oh, you know what? I was looking for recipes on how to feed my child for baby led mm-hmm. weaning and your right. site came up and it has so many great recipes and I'm Thank vegan you. and I like running and I was like, oh, this is great. And I got a bunch of good recipes on it and they signed up for your newsletter and now we're doing a podcast. Yeah. Yeah. That's very cool. <laughs> Thank you for inviting me. Oh, thank you, Alina. You, you helped me through a difficult time of trying to figure out what to cook for a baby because it's... Oh, so, so you found that helpful? Did you yeah. make some of those things? Oh, yeah, really? I made some of the recipes. So that was like helpful. And then I just signed up to your newsletter and I love getting it. It's like a monthly... Is it weekly? No, it's monthly. I do it weekly. You yeah. do it weekly. Okay. Yeah, I like it. The one thing that I have patience for like aside from running the actual blog like i have less and less patience for social media it is ridiculously hard to get any traction or any feedback instagram in particular i posted on instagram today but i think it was the first time in a month 
And of course, the algorithm gods don't like it. But like, I, I just want to live my life sometimes. I don't want to <laughs> document it and share it every single moment. Yeah. You know, I think that's such a great conversation because <clears throat> I'm in the same boat. It's like, how do I get my message out on my podcast without having to be on social? I'm, I'm recording these videos and it's like, how much of your life do you want to share? I feel like now it's like you either have to be a Kardashian where you're just like, here's my fifth child to the world. Watch my life. Or yeah. like you just go off social media like Leonardo DiCaprio or you're like somewhere in between where you're an influencer and you're just like committed to sharing your whole entire life. And I don't know. I think it's so nice to just enjoy life. Like the older yeah, I get, I, I just, I just really like being present and I like not that many people knowing my business. <laughs> <laughs> Except for when your business is like the kind that you want to be out there, you need people's eyes on it or people's yes. ears. Yeah. Yeah. It's it like is. you need a social media manager to really like beat the algorithms. This is where I plug my friend's company, Freelancing Females. And she was on my podcast earlier and Tia is phenomenal. So they have a lot of social media editors and stuff and curators. But yeah, man, social is like a full-time job. And I think if you're a parent, and I find it hard because all the content that I have right now is like my baby photos. And I don't really want my kid on like, I posted her photo online today. And then I was like, oh, I kind of feel dirty about it. Like, it's, it's like a baby thirst trap. <laughs> yes. When I uh, was pregnant and like was about to have my daughter, she's four now, she just turned four. Oh, uh, so I was thinking about it, like, how do I want to go with this? Do I want to turn my blog into like a mommy blog, like a vegan mommy blog. But that would also suggest that, you know, I would have to show my daughter or talk about her a lot. And I didn't always want to do that. And so now I talk about her less and post her pictures less and less, even though like I would love to, but to me, it just doesn't feel safe in some respects. And also it's a matter of consent right now yes she can't give me full consent for like <laughs> maybe when she's 18 she'll be like oh why did you do that i hate it which i've heard happens to some bloggers and influencers that their kids don't want to do anything yeah social media they're they're adults you know they eventually become like little adults like i think kids are like self-sufficient at the age of like eight to an extent, you know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. their consciousness kicks in and they're like, this is what I want. This is what I don't want. And you have to respect that. And I think there's something that happens that like really also warps the child's mind when you put them onto social media. Like I see a lot of kids who are like, who want to be like kid actors or kid models. And they're just like trained little, like trained little tiny performers. And they're just like conditioned to act for the camera and it's not healthy. Oh, yeah. So... You know, there's that. It's like, it, how are you shaping your child's view of themselves and the world every time they see a phone, every time they see a camera? Yeah, I was just looking up this little girl that my daughter follows, not follows so much, but like she watches some of her videos on YouTube. Don't remember exactly. It's her and her little brother. And they have like 16 million subscribers on YouTube. They have like crazy Instagram and everything. And like the videos, like to me, they just look silly. But for my daughter, it's it's amazing. It's, you know, like they run around and talk in like cartoon voices and like there are these funny sounds and visual effects happening. And just to think of like 
so their parents have documented their life like forever. And I think they are getting a little bit older now. So they're, the parents probably realize that, okay, we are going kind of aging out of this target audience. And so as I was researching, not, not researching so much, but just looking up their Instagram, I noticed that they have a baby brother was just born and I don't know I'm, <laughs> I'm a terrible person but I just thought oh I wonder if just they're like creating a replacement yes <laughs> it's like but you know but then you start getting into like Britney Spears territory where like she's like drugged and she's just like performing all the time and she, you become like a performing performing monkey really like you know those like little circus monkeys and like little circus bears you know performing bear where you're just trapped and, and you don't know what the real life is. Like yeah. in the case of Britney Spears, like I yeah. heard that back in the day, she didn't even know how to like use Google, like how to look something up on Google. Yeah. So some of her friends that were like curated by her parents were allowed to show her. So yeah, like you're totally not prepared to the real world yeah. doing basic things. Yeah. And I think it's such a different thing with Britney, right? Like, she just becomes a cash cow. But then there's so many other questions too. Like, what is her mental state? Like, nobody really knows her mental state. Like, we're all like, free Britney. But then we're like, I don't know how far gone she is. Like, is she gone? Like, I'm all up for freeing her. But but I think it's such a more complicated and nuanced conversation mm-hmm. than, than that. I mean, obviously, she doesn't know need for like the crazy conservatorship that she has. And she definitely needs to have her own decisions and be able to go get her IUD out and have more children mm-hmm. and do whatever she wants. But... Well, now it's gone. They just terminated it. I, know. I think last Friday or so. And yeah, mm-hmm. I'm I'm very glad for her. Obviously, I know. I know. I just but now know. she got married, and I'm like, who is this guy? Do I trust him? I don't trust him. What? How did they she... already marry? They just got married. <laughs> I think I think they're getting married, or there's like there's already it's it's too soon. It's like there's the conservatorship is on. There's like a ring on her finger. I don't I don't I'm I'm weary. I wish her the best. Yeah, I, I just hope that all the people who have been like free Britney and everything, like all her fans that now that they would give her some space to navigate her own life and yeah. not like hide in the bushes with every step she takes and jump out. You know? Because, yeah, all right. Thank you for helping her uh, get free, but, you know, also give her some privacy. But we don't know. I guess time will show. I don't know. It's like. It's just a really weird world we live in. Like, I think technology isn't just making it weird and and media and all this. And like, you know, I'm sure Brittany had a dream of like being a child star or something. But then somewhere along the road, it just got it got derailed. But I'm I'm, I'm also derailing here. And I was going to ask you, <laughs> what is your dream as a kid? Did you have one growing up? You know, I don't think I had one big dream that like took over my consciousness. I think I had like little things here and there. There were a lot of things that were like the opposite of dreams. I think like things that I never thought would be possible. Like, so I was, I was born in the USSR shortly before it dissolved. And so Nick was growing up in the nineties over there. I remember the times when there wasn't much stuff to buy in stores, not just food, but, you know, kids' toys, everything. 
but we had ads on TV for like Barbie dolls and like Disneyland trips and like all that kind of stuff. And to me, those things were like, because I never saw them like in stores or like, I didn't know anybody who have ever gone, has ever gone to Disney world. So to me, that was like going to the moon or like owning something private island like something that would never happen Mm -hmm. so i didn't even dream about it although Mm -hmm. i did dream about having a barbie yeah that yeah maybe that's a little bit more attainable but going to disneyland or you know going to the u.s to visit let alone to live that was something i never dreamed of i just didn't think that was possible so i so i can't say like i am living my wildest dreams because I didn't have the, those wildest dreams. I mean, I'm grateful to how it worked out that now I live here. I get to call this country my home. And I, I'm very glad about it. So it's beyond my wildest dreams. I guess. Does your daughter <laughs> play with Barbies? She doesn't have any yet, but she has expressed some interest because she's like played with uh, Barbies that other girls had, like some of her friends or somebody she met at the playground. And so, yeah, she just, she said, like, I want this, I want that. But I try not to expose her too much to it, even though she still somehow gets all of that like exposure. Like, it's, it's funny because when I was pregnant and when she was first born, I didn't want to buy anything pink, none of the girly girl things at all. My grand, my uh, mother-in-law, like she really, you know, was of the opposite opinion. And so she, she did get her a bunch of pink things, which I reluctantly, you know, dressed her in every now and then. And, but then she started going to daycare and just socializing with other kids more. And so today I, I let her dress herself and she will get dressed like head to toe pink. And she is like the girliest girl ever. She she bugs me for like, mommy, I want makeup. I want uh, like nail polish and stuff. And like, there is no way. I am so not ready to give any of that to her. Yeah. Well, it's, it's so interesting how that happens. And, you know, I grew up in Russia too, but I grew up there in the 80s. We left in 89, right before the collapse. And I was eight, I think seven. And Barbie was such a huge symbol of capitalism, like, because it's all the rich girls, whoever had money, they had Barbies. So like Barbie was like a big status symbol in Russia. Mm -hmm. And so was bubblegum. Like if you were popping bubblegum, that was a big deal. But the girls who would have bubblegum, they would like chew that same piece of bubblegum for like a year. (laughs) So like they never threw out the bubblegum. They would just like (laughs) chew this piece just to blow bubbles until it like, you know, like became like cement in your mouth. But but I remember how like I wanted a Barbie when I saw a Barbie. I was like, what is that? And then I was like, oh, oh, she has boobs. Oh, my God. This is like this. It it almost felt like illicit to play with because like Uh it didn't look like me. Like I was like, I am playing with a woman and I'm a little girl. (laughs) Like, Mm -hmm. should I be playing with a woman? Like, I don't have boobs, but my doll has boobs. Yeah, at least you had that thought, yeah. And I was like, and I was Mm -hmm. like, this is weird. But then it was like, again, back to capitalism in a communist country. It's like the capitalism call is so strong, right? Disney World, Barbie, like all these capitalist brands. Like I was in love with Mickey Mouse. 
-hmm. And I dream, you know, I've never been to Disneyland still. I'm waiting. I haven't either. (laughs) (laughs) One day, one day. I'm like, what? But it just, it, it just seems like this really unrealistic capitalist dream, especially if you're a little poor girl growing up in in communist Russia. And that's like a whole entire separate podcast as well. You know, like what what you dream of. Yeah, there's definitely books to be written about that subject. A little while ago, I read this book for by Anya von Bremsen, her name is, I don't know if you've ever heard. She's Mm -hmm. a food writer. She's written for like big time publications and she has a few cookbooks but she was also born and raised in the USSR I think her family left like her mother and her just the two of them I think they left in like mid-70s and so this book that she has she tried this project with her mom that every decade of the 20th century they would pick one dish that was like a big deal during that decade in Russia and they would cook that thing in that chapter. And of course, there were like all kinds of stories around it too. And it was just so fascinating to me. For me. So it, it, it is amazing. It's called something like Mastering the Art of Soviet Cooking. Kind of like uh, a play on that Julia Child book, mm-hmm. like Mastering the Art of French Cooking. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, I'll have to check it out. My mom, it's so funny. My mom's still like my mom tries to get me to cook like Russian foods for my baby. And I'm like, stop. I didn't like them in Russia, Russia. Like (laughs) we're not known for cuisine. Okay. Uh Like, yeah. Like I'm going to, and my mom is like, Oh, you're, you're raising your child vegan. And I'm like, well, I'm trying. I mean, I, I give her like, I mean, I'm guilty of giving her like chicken and bison and and salmon and cheese. Cheese is like crack. It's, it's like crack because right now I just want her to have the enzymes. (laughs) Yeah. And I mm-hmm. want her to make up her own mind, too, because I'm realizing she's she's her own person. So I'm like, well, I'll give her the enzymes. Because I remember my friend Noah, when we were in high school, he grew up vegan and he was like 18 mm-hmm. years old. And he was like, I just want to eat meat. But my parents never gave me the enzymes. So I throw up every time I eat like a steak. Oh, really? I never thought about it. Like that, really. So I was like, I, I just remember that conversation with Noah. I was like, I have to give my child like I got to check the science on that, too. But I don't know if it's enzymes in particular, but it could be, and I'm not a dietitian, but I'm just speculating that it could be some some bacteria that lives in our gut. So like the what we eat is, you know, creating an environment for a certain type of bacteria to, to grow. So like if we eat meat, there'll be meat processing bacteria. If we eat lots of like fruits and vegetables, there'll be that kind of bacteria. And it's a different conversation about how, like, what's better for us, of course. But yeah, maybe like if he he threw up because he didn't have any that bacteria at all. But maybe if he kept kept eating, strange thing coming from a right. <laughs> good person, right? I don't know. I don't know. I yeah. don't know. I've, I've known some people whose kids grew up vegan and then chose to eat meat afterwards as adults i haven't heard any like about any kind of health issues they had after that but yeah that's how i'm raising my daughter so we chose for her to be vegan because we were vegan all right so she was born in 2017 and my husband and i went vegan in 2013 so we chose it was like a no-brainer for us 
But it's also, it comes down to consent. Like right now, we as parents think that's what's best for her. But then when she grows up, she will have her own opinion. If she wants to eat meat, then like we can't make her not to eat meat. I hope she doesn't, but who knows? Who knows, right? Yeah, it's interesting. She's now entering that stage where she's beginning to ask questions about like, mommy, why do people eat meat? It's simple, but also not so simple to answer because like, I don't want her to be mad at her grandparents or cousins when she sees them eating meat. But so you kind of have to be diplomatic about it. So we're going to like a little family reunion for my husband's side of the family for Thanksgiving. And so there will be an interesting thing to see because like for the longest time, like all the Thanksgivings during Thanksgiving, we stayed home. And so, because we didn't have any family living around us back when we lived in Washington and we just moved to Virginia and still don't have any family here, but it was just the three of us usually. And we would cook an all vegan Thanksgiving and that would be fine. But now that we're going somewhere, that's my brother-in-law's house. So like, I don't get to call the shots. So I can demand that there is no meat. And I know that I think they already purchased a turkey. And I know that I can't get all indignant about it. It's family. And I know people who do, who like really can't tolerate that. They get in these nasty arguments with uh, their families. So it's it's a choice, of course. I just hope we don't have any of that. It's, it's funny, another story. Um, so my in-laws were visiting us over the summer, back when we were in Washington. And we went out to eat with them to like a diner that had some vegan options, but mostly non-vegan stuff. And so my father-in-law ordered a fried fish sandwich. And Juliana, my daughter, she heard him say that. She was like, Grandpa, you're going to eat fish? What? Oh, Grandpa, you're just kidding. <laughs> she was just so cute. <laughs> oh, my God, that's so cute. Yeah. Well, yeah, you she... know, that's a, that's a really interesting question, right? When your child asks you, why do people eat meat? Like, what is your what is your answer? My answer, like what I tell her is that she has asked it more than once. So this past weekend, I said something like, that it comes down to tradition. It's because like when grandma and grandma, grandpa were growing up, their mommy and daddy gave them meat to eat. And when their parents were growing up, their mommy and daddy gave them meat. And so people just grow up eating meat and they don't always think about like the things that our family thinks about, like, concerns about whether it's animal welfare, like, like what right do we have to tell another living being to, you know what, you're going to you're going on my sandwich. Do we really have that right? And then there is also all considerations like health and environment. So that's a good one. Yeah. It comes down to tradition, basically. That's a really, that's a really great way of answering a child's question because I'm trying to figure out how I'm going to have this conversation with my child. And I was going to frame it around just the history of man, right? Evolution. 
of how, you know, in the caveman days, you had to have the most calories. So you had to hunt and you had to spend all this energy and you have to like murder things and, and eat them. And now technology has evolved and we have so many like meat substitutes and we've evolved to not be a hunting and gathering. <laughs> yeah, we can get all the calories yeah. we want, like without even getting off the couch. Without plants and like, and, and also living a compassionate lifestyle, which really wasn't a choice. Like, you know, both of our parents, you know, we grew up in Russia and in, in the former USSR and there was no food. So, you know, I was reading your story, how you came, you know, your mom came home with that old chicken. Yeah, the little blue chickens in Russia, like that were old, mm -hmm. like you were lucky if you got that. It's not like, you know, you had a Whole Foods and you had to stand in line for it. So, so they ate just whatever they had. But now, especially with our new generation of babies, um, I think our kids are called Generation Alpha. Those are kids born between 2017 and 2020. That's okay. the Generation Alpha. And they're going to be the most technologically advanced and the most materialistically wealthy generation, like even beyond the millennials. Mm -hmm. So I was reading all of these predictions, like they're saying that they're going to experience a lot more climate change in their lifetime, which is, you know, as a result of um, non-vegan practices cows contribute to so much pollution even more than like cars yeah it's interesting to see what this alpha generation is going to inherit because the millennials are kind of looked at as like just kind of like being selfish in a weird way and in a weird way they are in a weird way they're not and they're saying that the alpha generation is going to be even more selfish just because of all the things that they have and and just just the way life is going and it's really interesting. Like I'm, I'm really interested in looking at all these studies. You know, I think it's really easy to analyze boomers and generation Z and also generation X, mm -hmm. but it's like, what is happening in the world and how are these babies going to be affected by it? Because it's a crazy world right now. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really, like, really saddens me to see that it's not like global warming it's not something that we read about in newspapers or online mm -hmm. but it's something that we actively see and there were a, a few events in my adult life in the past few years that kind of brought me to the thought that i won't have any more children like we were kind of on the fence with my husband after our daughter was born like it was it was really hard for us just emotionally and not having any family around to help or anything. Yeah, I bet. So we were kind of on the fence whether or not we should have another child. But then I think it was in 2019 or, or 18 that there was this fire in the Amazon. I remember that like you could see it from outer space. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it yes. was like a huge thing. And that got me so sad that I thought, well, this is actively happening and it's just going to keep going. So I'm probably like you know, 30, 40, 50 years from now, I will feel bad for my daughter that I brought her into that, this world. And so like, if I were to have another kid, then I would have to feel bad for two people. So but they won't be alone on the bright side. She'll have a buddy to like be in this burning world. In. <laughs> you know, that's, that's, that's yeah, good too. I, I, I know. Yeah. It's, you know, we, so we just moved from Washington state and I, I really love that area. We spent seven years there and just so beautiful. It's just amazing. But the past few summers towards the end of the summer, early fall, we would have at least a week or two of 
the fire smoke just coming over. Thankfully, we didn't have any fires like next door to us. Like we never had to evacuate, but the smoke from nearby fires came over and just sat like a, you know, a big bubble over like Seattle and uh, the northern parts of uh, Washington where we sat. And not just that, but like all over Oregon and California, like last year in particular, it was just, it was horrible. We couldn't get out of home for like a good week and a half or two weeks. I taped up all the windows and doors to prevent that smoky air from coming in. And you would still smell Mm -hmm. smoke. Yeah, I had this fan that taped a big filter, you know, one of those air filters I taped to it. And so it just ran for like a few days. And I was shocked to see how that white fan got black with all the taped windows, without us opening anything, going anywhere. It still got black. And so to think of like that we breathe this stuff, and it's it's really bad for us. What what part of Washington were you in? Were you? It was uh, just outside of Seattle, Whidbey Island, like straight to the north of Seattle, about forty minute drive. Yeah, because I was like, I wonder how close to Seattle, or if you're closer to Portland, because my editor was in Portland. Okay. And there were some days where she was like, I can't edit. <laughs> Everything is like, you know, like the fires are approaching. I'm packing up my car, and I was like, Oh my god, are you okay, Jenny? Are you okay? Like, it's scary. It's really scary, you know, like, especially Mm -hmm. when your friends and the people that you care about are just, you know, at the mercy of these conditions and, uh, and, and you're far away and you can't really do anything. And you're like, ah, you're just kind of like, it's again, going back to social, right? You're just watching all of this unfold in real time on social and on the news. And it's like, it's, it's really, really intense. And, and, you know, like, I I mean, I've been vegan for the last six years. I've had some cheese. I will say I've had some cheese and cheese is like crack. Like if I have a little bite, then I'm like, oh, I want more. Like I'm like itching. I'm like, oh, give me some more. It's just What's your favorite. You know, I don't go too crazy. I just like just a little cheddar cheese. Like I just introduced cheddar cheese uh, like a month ago into my kid's diet. And, I, and there was like extra. And I was like, I feel bad throwing it out because it's like cow's milk that this mama cow worked really hard like if you don't okay to the people listening if you don't know how milk is made it's really inhumane basically cows are impregnated so they can keep on lactating all the time and then their little babies are taken away from them and used for like uh, you know veal or whatever or turned into more milk cows or or used for meat so this little mama cow is just always pregnant and like she gets pus in there and they bleach the milk and it's it's a really gnarly inhumane process. So I really avoid all cheese products, even if they're organic and whatever. It's just it's gnarly and I feel really bad for the animals. And if you spend some time around a farm, cows are so cute and so cuddly and so sweet. They're dumb. Then they pollute the air, but they're so cute. You know, I think we see them as food. But they're not really food. It's like we see them as food because we're a highly evolved creature. And like, imagine if like highly evolved creatures came to Earth and they were like, hey, humans, you're dumb, but you're delicious. Yeah. So like, we're just we're just going to like treat you like you are an animal and animals don't even deserve being treated like an animal. They're our friends. Yeah, that was for me, like how I eventually decided to go vegan. Like I've had thoughts about it all my life thinking of 
meat comes from animals and I love animals and it's unfair and, and hurts them to be killed, obviously. At the same time, like I was told, you have to eat meat. It's, you know, if you don't, then you'll, you know, break in half and wither away or whatever. So I continued and, but still I couldn't answer to myself, like, what's the justification? Is it fair that we kill them and we eat them? Eventually, I just came to accept it that no, there is no justification. There's just no justification. I think it would be justifiable if before we all born, if we were in this like, I don't know, free birth purgatory or whatever, including all, all the creatures, people, cows, crickets, everybody. And we were told, okay, you can choose who you can be born as. So there's a cow. A cow needs to be born. You'll live a pretty miserable life and you'll be killed and you'll be eaten. Who, like, out of all you guys here, all the people in the purgatory, who, oh, not people, the souls, who wants to do this? And somebody says, okay, I'll go. So I consent. And so that soul is born as that cow. And that's the life they have. And that's they, uh, they were, you know, eventually killed and eaten, but they gave their consent. But in real life, that doesn't happen that way. In real life, we are, we don't get to choose what we are born. Like we are lucky that to be born as people. And we are lucky that we're not usually a part of, uh, you know, a food chain, unless you're like in Alaska, <laughs> but or Australia, yeah. Australia, or, kind of low on yeah. the chain too. Anything or some parts of Africa. Like, yeah. Yes. It's a free for all. It's like, Hey, lots of right. poisonous things here. But like on an average day, like I never have to be concerned that like I'll be eaten and you know, killed and eaten. Like I, I just, it's never a concern on my mind. Right. So we are really lucky to be born. This we way. really are. But it made me realize that, you know, on a weird like survivalist level like that's what social media is becoming you know it's becoming like a hunt and it's becoming like a pecking order i think my husband is walking with a baby they just went for a walk they might pass by but which but it is it's like a survival it's like it's like social media is becoming a hunt like you find things on it you forage you like things and then like maybe like a group kill is like when you cancel everyone <laughs> when, like the pack gangs up on a person and they're like we're just gonna cancel them but that's like that's like a pack of hyenas like you know like taking down a gazelle or something it's it becomes like a very like hunting hunting method but i was gonna also ask you you're vegan and you're a mom and, and you run or you run, you used to run as much as you could before you had a baby. Welcome yeah, to I mom try hood. to these days. <laughs> I try. So, <laughs> yeah. What is your advice for staying fit as a mom? Uh, oh, gosh. Well, my example may not be the best because like, I've never had like huge problems with staying fit. But then again, like, what do we define as being mm-hmm. fit? Is it like, not being overweight or whatever or right that's a good question just being whatever size you are but just being active Mm -hmm. and eating well you just so happen that you're not like a stick figure yeah whatever fit i guess means to each one of us right because fit is like a very personal question 
Yeah. And then there is also mental health. We can't pass that because we can eat and exercise all we want. But if our mental health is not great, then it's not going to end well or it's not going to go well. So for me, when I, when my daughter was born, I knew that I wasn't going to be able to go to the gym for a very long time because so we lived on an island and there were only a couple gyms within a drive distance and none of them had any kind of child care. So I knew, all right, no more gyms. And before that, I would go to the gym like four or five times a week for like four years. So what I did was uh, I got like an exercise mat, kind of like a yoga mat, but a little thicker and bigger. So it's pretty big. And I got a couple of dumbbells and kettlebell like an exercise ball, like those kind of things. And I just figured out some workout routines to do. And I tried to do them when I could. Like at first it was whenever, like if my daughter went to sleep and if I wasn't like a zombie, if I had it in me, okay, I'll, I'll do the workout. If not, then yeah, I'd go take a nap too. Then as she grew, we were able to get more into a, uh, routine so i would just get up earlier if i could like sleep through the night and get a decent sleep so it was a little easier to get up early and work out before she woke up so i would do that a couple times a week then i tried to start running also like once or twice a week for a while i was doing like two workouts and two runs per week but i think it was a little too much for me because like i've noticed some issues with my health not like anything big but mm-hmm. just it was like more tired and it felt like my joints were kind of cranky so i don't know maybe it's just a part of getting older <laughs> my knees are going i feel that um, now that like i'm yeah. in my 40s like if i run like six like five or five miles like two days in a row like my my knees let me know that they're not happy it's, yeah it's really trippy it's yeah it's kind of sad to see how it's happening right it's like you never thought that would happen. Like you were a young person for you know so long, and then all of a sudden there are other young people in your. You know. <laughs> and there's Generation Alpha. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh huh. With no creaky bones. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you it's know, chippy. I I am kind of jealous of some things that uh, this new generation has, like. Maybe not the alphas, because they're still so little. Uh, what is it? Generation Z. Yeah, there are some things that they won't experience that we experienced. That you know, It's kind of sad. But at the same time, there are things that they don't have to worry that we worried. Like all the like two girls that messaging that you have to stay skinny no matter what. Like all the dieting advice from everywhere. Like fad diets and all, all that. And I just remember growing up, it took so much of my, I put so much effort into paying attention to that and trying to maintain that. Today, the body positivity movement pretty much did away with that. And so you can be any size and you can wear anything that you're comfortable with. And I honestly think it's great because that frees up so much of that effort that I used to put in this. But now that they have that energy to, you know, 
they can put it into anything else. Like, totally. Food. Totally. I used to be a little bulimic too. And I mean, like going from communist Russia where you had no food and then mm-hmm. going into capitalism where you had everything. And then I quickly put on weight because I was eating bad foods like pizza and stuff. So, and then like I kind of ballooned. So by the age of like 12, I was really chubby. So going from like being a skinny little blue chicken to like a chubby little human at 12 and then kind of entering teenagehood like 13 14 and then realizing oh i'm fat i don't i'm self-conscious and you're looking at music videos that were like you know like skinny people and then you had this was the time of the supermodels too so you had linda evangelista you had cindy crawford so guy was bulimic for a while and then i was anorexic for a while and then i started like to kind of just like get comfortable in my body and i was like okay this isn't like i think by 1450 and like i like 1450 and i was doing it and then around 16 i i just kind of snapped out of it i don't remember it's going to be interesting to dig around to think about what caused me to like snap out of it because i went vegetarian at 12 because i got freaked out by lamb because i love lamb let me tell you lamb ribs i love lamb ribs and i was eating it one day and i was like at a barbecue at my uncle's house. And I was like, what are ribs made out of? And he was like, lamb. And I was like, oh, no. And I was like, I can't be eating a lamb. And that's when I went like vegetarian. Oh, 16. You know what it is? 16. I found music and I got really into, this is my answer. I got really into music, into punk rock and hardcore. And I found like a little scene and uh, I just realized I had to eat healthy. And I discovered veganism through all the music, like Earth Crisis and stuff. And I just got a bunch of like awesome, cool new friends and I started being really into veganism. Wow, I've never realized that before. So my attention completely snapped from like being a part of mass media, you know, the programming that I was told to just like kind of going into like this counterculture scene and finding like people like me in a home and like finding body positivity in a weird way. Mm -hmm. Wow, I never thought about it that way because I didn't have like a tribe. I didn't have like my, my, my clique. That blows my mind. That's a huge thing that like having people that in your circle that you can relate to. Yes, it's it's huge, especially for young people. We are influenced so much by what's going on around us. If like all our friends are dieting, then we're going to diet too. Right. But oh, I remember where I went off on a tangent. So we were talking about body positivity, right? And how wonderful it is. But I also want to point out that it's also a double-edged sword these days too, because now we have Instagram, which is contributing to like dysmorphia and girls with filters and also with weight. So on one hand, it's like we have this amazing body positivity movement. And on the other hand, you have like Instagram literally contributing to like depression in girls and and I was just reading that TikTok was giving girls ticks there was like there was like a whole I think it was the Wall Street Journal that wrote about it I forget where I was reading it but they um did a whole study of girls who are coming in with like Tourette's and ticks and it was caused by like pandemic and TikTok because you can go down a rabbit hole of just like looking into like Tourette's TikToks and girls were kind of like giving themselves these diseases and like self quantifying themselves and qualifying themselves, which I thought it was like fascinating. I was like the effects of women are always the ones to suffer, you know, whether it's a war, communism or social media, women are always and and girls are the ones to suffer. Technology, Mm -hmm. war, right? War is created by men, white men, mostly, you know, like, and, and social media, it's 
technology. It's mostly like a white man thing. And who yeah, gets to suffer? My husband from? says every now and then that if the world was run by women, this would be such a much, much better place. We would be Iceland. I love yeah, Iceland. We, I've never been actually. I really want to go there. So, oh, I, I want to. Yeah, it, it's run by women. Because mm-hmm. all the men used to go fishing, so the women were like, "Okay, well, we're running the country while you're away." Bye. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, but yeah, staying fit as a mom—it's really hard. And I think that's good advice. You know, just you know, like, where do you find your routines? Just by trying something, and then if something works, like then trying to do more of that and i'm always a work in progress like i can have a few months of really good eating habits and exercising and then maybe something will go off the rails and it would be really hard to get back into it like right now i'm kind of getting into that so like when we moved to virginia in early september we got rid of so much of our things, including some of my exercise equipment. So now I need to buy some, like it's not much, but at least like dumbbells and stuff. So I need to buy that. But it's also not something so urgent that like I go to right and buy it right now. There are other things. So that's put away. Then when we moved here, we lived in an apartment in a different part of the city. And my daughter and I would go running in the morning, two, three times a week. I'd just put her in the stroller and we'd just go around. And that was that was very nice. But then we moved into this different house and it's a different neighborhood. And we have to start our routine from scratch. And I haven't, just as we moved here two weeks ago, both of us, both me and her got came down with a cold. So... We haven't gotten back into any kind of running or anything. So it's, yeah, it's, it, it's hard. I think even people who, you know, think we think are qualified to give advice, even they are struggling. But I think, you know, you brought up a good point. Whenever you're moving, like I always look at how, how I'm able to work out in the area that I live because I was like, okay, I like running. So like, is this area built for running? Are there streets or is it like, just roads where cars drive like because it's like if you have no cars if you're living in the middle of nowhere you have to build your own gym and that's going to take some money and that needs some space and you need a bigger house and then you're stuck in your gym and you have to get become a a car lifestyle you have to get into a car and, and that's something that you know like some people don't want like I know I don't like having a car lifestyle I hate it it drives me crazy so it's like what makes you happy and I know my free time Right now with a one-year-old is the only time I really put her... Well, I have this. My husband, When my husband's home, he'll take the baby and, and I can do my podcast, which is amazing. But like my, my other free time is like I put the baby into the running stroller and I go for a run for like an hour. And I put my podcasts in. I put on my, you know, Audible subscription. And that's when I'm free. That's the only time that I get to myself besides maybe like a quick shower. Because otherwise, like that baby takes up my time. Unless she goes to sleep in the evening. But then, you know, sleeping, as you probably know, you know, it's a (laughs) crapshoot. So sometimes you have some time to yourself in the evening for a few hours, but then you're probably like shoving food in your mouth or, you know, making food for the next day or, you know, paying bills or doing whatever. So it's 
people have not taken up running, you know, if you're a parent, I highly suggest getting a running stroller and just fast walking. Power walking is like the best thing you can do even, you know, just as good as running. And just just get out there with your kid and enjoy it. Do you find it like a little uncomfortable to run with a stroller? Because like we've never done the stroller, run, run with a stroller up until we moved here. Because in Washington, there are hills everywhere. And I tried to run with a stroller one time and I was like, no, it was just ridiculous. So, but when we moved here, it's flat. So yeah, sure. Out comes the stroller and it's pretty good. But I find that like I have to hold it with one arm and the other one arm goes like this. And then my shoulder gets numb and it's just yeah. like uncomfortable. So I can't like, I can't imagine going for like an hour long run right now because I think it would be super uncomfortable. You know, it's interesting. I always did like, I couldn't do more than two or three miles before as a runner up and my whole entire life, I've never really been, I always loved running, but I couldn't do more than two or three miles. I would just like put her out. And then I did six miles once. I remember that because my friend was training for a marathon and I went with her once and ended up puking my guts out afterwards for like the whole entire day because my body was like, whoa, because I went from doing like oh, two, three miles uh-huh. to six <laughs> and like everything was hurting. I needed Epsom salt bath. I, I, I'm a huge advocate of Epsom salt baths, like whenever I can, because my body and my back and everything hurts. I, I like to soak a lot. And I think it's good for energy flow. It releases like negative energy. And it's just, mm-hmm. it's just a great thing to do. I realized after having a baby, I ended up doing Pilates. I did Pilates before, but I had diastasis recti. That's like when your stomach separates. So okay. usually when you're older and you have a baby, mm-hmm. the like abs on your stomach separate. So I had like a three inch gap. So I ended up doing a hardcore Pilates to get mm-hmm. that back. So I couldn't jog for six months because I started working out around like four mm-hmm. months because I was like, I just don't feel like I, I, when you have a baby, you just don't want to work out. So I slowly started doing it around like three or four months. By six months, I was really, really working out to Pilates like three times a week. And then I healed my gap. And then as soon as I healed my gap, I started running. And now I run like five to six miles at a time. And I've never done that before. And I think it's because my body is physically stronger from having babies. So now that I'm running, I got a really nice Thule stroller. I love it. But it's a fixed wheel. There are other ones called like Bumble Ride or something like that. I forget, like they don't have a fixed wheel. Some people like the rotating wheel. I like the fixed wheel because I like to go straight. <laughs> I don't like to turn that much. And it helps me with just just having momentum and going. And uh, I do 2.5 miles uphill. And then I do another 2.5 downhill. Mm. So uphill, it, it's like an arm workout. Pushing a, a 20 pound child in, in a stroller is really, really hard. I'm also in such a zone that I don't notice anything hurting unless it really, really hurts. Like my knees were going out the other day and I like, and I was like, I should stop. And then I was like, no, I'm already out. I'm going to push through it. So I was like, I probably should have stopped because at night my knees were like screaming, but it doesn't bother me that much with the arm. I like, it, it kind of does. But then, mm-hmm. like, I think if I have an audiobook, it, it distracts me from it. But what I found on the Thule stroller is mm-hmm. that they have that, like, strap that straps your hand in so the stroller won't run away. Mm-hmm. And that's 
sewed in only on mm. one side, which is the left side. And I wish I could change sides because then mm. I could switch my arms so I can move like my left arm instead of my right arm. Because right mm. now I'm like only moving my right arm. And I bet you it's going to make like my mm. right boob a lot smaller. And my left one is going to be bigger because because that's how it goes. Like, you know, your right hand is dominant. So your left boob is smaller. So this one, this right boob is going to shrink even more because it's the only one going. But I, I try to work on my posture. I put my hands on the stroller as I run and I try to stand up and I try to like suck in my stomach, you know, the right way and like put my butt under me. And I, I, I use the stroller to work on posture, but okay. I also like go up hills just to like, just, I'm like, this is my one hour to sweat. Like I'm going to make it count because I don't, I can't do anything else. So I'm just going to like, I'm just going to put myself through the ringer. Well, that's really great that you found something that works so well and that you enjoy. I do, but I think it's like you can do consistently. I think it's like it's it's crushing my knees, and it's like you know what do you put your time towards? It's like I do it when I'm like okay, like I'm three pounds overweight because I was having cheese, like you know, like because I was eating my baby's extra cheese because I felt guilty throwing away this precious cheese that this cow made, which is insane. And I know vegans listening to this are going to be like, you're not a true vegan, you're an awful vegan, and I'm like, no, I was like thanking the cow because I would hate to throw away her milk. Like I was honoring her by eating it, but like, I noticed that if I eat non-vegan, I get sick quickly. So you just mentioned being sick. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I don't know if you've noticed that, like, if you're vegan, you, you get less colds. Like I've noticed I get way less sick if I'm vegan. Like my immune system is so much stronger. Mm -hmm. I haven't noticed a big difference, but as a child, I was very prone to mm -hmm. getting colds. So I think I get at least maybe two or three. Well, interestingly, during the pandemic, I didn't have a cold for about a year because, you know, mm -hmm. wearing all the masks and sanitizing your hands and just not going out as much. So that was really helpful. But my daughter was still going to daycare. And so every now and then she would bring something home. <laughs> question for you. Okay, so this is my final question. What's your dream as an adult? As an adult? Well, if I say to make the world a better place. It's just too vague and too granola, I guess. But I would like to find what it is that I could do that would make a difference for other people that would be helpful to them. And it's interesting that like, when you're a kid, you think that like when you're an adult, then you grow up, then you have it all figured out and you'll have like some kind of career professional path and that's where you stay but I'm an adult now and I'm still not 100% sure what, which way I want to go so yeah it would be definitely like find my true calling that could make this world a little better what's your wildest dream that you can ever dream for yourself like like beyond like if you can let yourself have the funnest wildest most amazing dream what would it be You know, I'm really bad about dreaming, I think. And I actually had a conversation with my husband about it one time, or more than once, that, yeah, he said, like, you don't really have dreams. And I think it's because, for me, it's not like dreams, but it's plans. And if I dream of something big, to me, it's like a plan to achieve that something big, but it's so huge and unattainable that I'm like, no, I'm not going to go there. So I'm not even going to dream about it. So I know it's not not good at all. I I should like venture out a little more. <laughs> no, you should. It's it's like a dream is fun. 
it's kind of like putting mm-hmm. out a wish into the universe, right? Like sometimes it just happens unconsciously. Sometimes you don't have to do anything and it just happens because you put it out there because you like put it into the universe. Yeah, I've been thinking about it more and more and just, uh, you know, reading about it, like about the whole manifesting thing that like I've noticed that there are a lot of things in my life that happened because I manifested them. I didn't know that that's what it was, but like I actively wanted it and really needed it to happen and it happened. And so, so that's, that's pretty great. It's like painting with a paintbrush, right? Like paint the most fun picture that you can and then Mm -hmm. see what happens. And maybe a more fun picture will come out. You just don't know when it's going to come out. You know, actually painting sounds really good. Maybe I'd like to explore painting. I know that that counts as a dream. (laughs) It counts as a dream. I mean, you know, just when you let your mind open up and, and you allow yourself to have it, right? Like go, I can have a dream. You know, dreams are free. <laughs> you don't have to pay to dream. So it's like when you allow yourself to do that, like what what picture will you get in your head? You know, like how much how much fun can you have in your life? And what can you what can you allow yourself to have? Right. But then like if it doesn't happen, then I'll feel bad. <laughs> That's why I think I you don't, don't have dream. to. Uh No, I think, you know, I think if it doesn't happen, I think you can have 3000 dreams. So it's not like you can have one dream. You know what I mean? Like, have a lot of dreams. And if that one doesn't come true, we have another dream. Because, you know, it's like, some realistic dreams, some unrealistic dreams, you got to mix it up. But it's not it's not like, it's not just like one thing. (laughs) Either. Yeah, yeah, I should should dream more. (laughs) That's for sure. Awesome. Mm -hmm. Yes, dream more. That'll <laughs> be fun. And let me know what you dream of. Mm-hmm. Sure. All right. Um, I'm going to run, Alina. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. It was a pleasure talking to you. Yeah. Thank you for inviting me. That was such a good conversation. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Anytime, my dear. Okay. Talk to you soon. All right. Bye. Thank you. Okay. Bye-bye. Mm-hmm. Thanks for tuning into the show. I hope you enjoyed it. Please share it on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Dream Nation Love. It's not Dream Nation Podcast, it's Dream Nation Love because I think my single mission in life is to teach people how to love a little bit more and together we can save the world. So it's Dream Nation Love. Share it with your friends. Have a great day and go out and make the world a better place.